Welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson. I'm here to encourage you in your walk with God. Thank you for joining in. Today's podcast is sponsored by Cunningham Financial Group. John Cunningham is a friend of mine and a brother in Christ, and he can help you with financial decisions and future planning. He's been a big help to me and my family, and I commend him to you. You can reach him at 205-913-1720. I am so thankful you're here, so let's get started. Hey, welcome back. Let's jump right in today with a famous axiom, a saying known by pretty much everyone, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Countless people in pretty much every walk of life have used this phrase to represent either optimism in turning things around or maybe a warning against taking your success for granted. I've always been a massive Major League Baseball fan, so I've heard players and coaches say this dozens of times. And it is equally valuable no matter how the season started. Maybe there's a player that's underperformed for the first month of the season, or his team has started 10 and 20. And reporters will ask dumb questions like, are you panicking? Is the season already over? And he'll say, listen, I wish we had gotten off to a better start, but it's not how you start, it's how you finish. We're going to make a few changes, trust the process, get better every day, and see how it turns out in the end. And in baseball, just like in life, a great many times, teams with excellent potential turn things around. But the statement also applies when things start really well. Maybe a team is 20 and 10, or a particular player is tearing the cover off the ball. And so the reporters ask other dumb questions like, do you think this is going to be an MVP season? Will the team set a franchise record for wins? To which you can also say, look, I'm thankful it's going well. We're having a great time, but it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And of course, that's equally true. Your stat line on the back of the baseball card is the result of 162 games. The team that wins the World Series is the one that does not end their season with a loss. But no matter what happens early or even in the middle, you've got to get all the way to the end and see where you are and who you've become to determine if the journey was a success or a failure. So those are the kinds of things I want to talk to you about today as we look at some of our familiar categories like your faith walk, your financial situation, the present direction of your fitness, or how you are cultivating friendships and even relationships in your family. The mantra itself does need a little bit of extra examination. It's more of a figure of speech than a statement of fact. And I'm going to circle back towards that in the back half of the episode. But for now, I just want you to take the statement at face value. It is not how you began, and it may not even be about how it is going. As long as the finish line is still in front of you, as long as God has blessed you with another day, a little more time, some open doors of opportunity. You can turn a bad situation into a good one, and you can take something that's already good and make it great. So let's first look at this from a sense of pure optimism. It's not how you start, it's how you finish, is good news for everyone, no matter how you've started or how it's going. 
If things have not gone well, financially you have dug a hole. Your relationship with God has been strained and unattended to. Good news. Jesus has not yet returned. You have not yet taken your last breath. The mercies of the Lord are new again today. You will not be judged on what has happened. You will be judged by who you are at the end, and we're not there yet. And that's really amazing news, because it means you can make changes now, become something better, and enjoy the blessings of a greater connection to God in Scripture, or being debt-free without having to carry the debt or guilt of what happened before. It is also good news if things are going really well. Let's talk about the other two categories. Maybe you are doing great with your diet and exercise. Maybe your marriage or your relationship with someone in your family is better than it's ever been. When I tell you it's not how you started or even where you are, it's how you finish. That is also good news. Because that means that whatever is good may have time to become great. Whatever you have accomplished so far, if it had ended yesterday, you would have been pleased. But it didn't. So there is this tremendous concept of God giving you more time to see what more you can do with it. This is how I talk about the work here at Lindale. I've been here for seven years. We've had all the ups and downs that you can imagine personally and with the church. But by most examination, people would say, wow, that work is really going well. And I always respond in the same way. This is just the beginning. Everything that God has done so far and the distance we have come is only preparing us for really incredible things that the Holy Spirit wants to do through us. So I hope you can feel that sense of optimism. It says no matter what has happened, good or bad, this thing ain't over yet. The full story has not been told, and time is a gift. Now, of course, on the other hand, we need to be honest with ourselves that this great saying also comes with its own set of warnings. For instance, if things have not started off well, they're just not good. There's some optimism for things to improve, but it does demand change. It demands reassessment. You can't keep doing the same things and expect different results. So if there is trouble in your home or trouble with your finances, I want you to feel good that God has given you time, but heed the warning. Without real change, you will get to the end, and it won't be pretty. Time is your friend. You can turn a great many things around, but turning is an activity. Like that hitter spending extra time in the cage or watching video or getting help. The truest substance of optimism is faith, yes, but also effort. And of course, there's a warning on the plus side, isn't there? Things are going great. Team's in first place. I'm hitting every strike that's thrown to me. On the one hand, that means the sky is the limit. Aren't you glad you still have most of a season to set great records? On the other hand, all of that will be forgotten at the end of the season. If your team loses their last 30 games or you can't hit a beach ball with a tennis racket. A good start is a great thing, and I don't care what anybody tells you, but only to such an extent that it contributes momentum to a great finish. So many times we let success lead to pride, and pride to lethargic behavior. I've got a great marriage, it'll always be great. 
I have strong faith. It'll always be strong. And then you get later on down the line, maybe even to the end of it all, and somehow it's lost. So take a moment today and balance out however you apply today's material. Make sure you have this tremendous sense of optimism, but also a healthy risk assessment so that you move forward with faith and effort and this tremendous focus on where it is all going and who you will be when you get there. Our great God puts a tremendous amount of emphasis in the Old and New Testament on the culmination of your journey. He knows there are ups and downs, failures and successes, people who start off great and those who start off terrible. He provides time as a tool. Please know that. Today is a tool provided by God. But he is not only expecting better results from here, he will weigh us eternally based on who we are in that moment. And of course, for you and me, when it comes to our faith above all else, but certainly everything else as well, we don't know when the end will be, where the finish line is, or how much time that we have. So if I know who I want to be when it's all over, the kind of Christian I want to be, the kind of husband or citizen or friend, I'd better start right now. So previous successes or failures are not going to be the metric that dominates my pathway. I just need to be doing my best when time runs out. That's what God is asking for, and in the end, that's what matters. To help drive this home for a moment, I want to ask you about two kings of Judah in the Old Testament. I'm going to tell you a little bit about both of them and ask you this. In the judgment, at the end, if you had to be in the sandals of one of these two guys facing judgment, which one would you choose? The first man's name is King Asa. His father was not a godly man, but Asa did wonderful things in the name of the Lord. He demanded that the people worship God. He opposed his grandmother, who was a powerful political figure, but an idolater. The Bible says his heart was blameless in that he never served any god but the one true God. When he was faced with an army of a million Egyptians with 300 chariots, Asa turned to God and trusted God, and God delivered him. As a result of this, the people enjoyed 20 years of pure peace under his leadership. Now that all sounds pretty great, doesn't it? He was a very godly man who brought blessings to all who were around him. Now let me give you your other option. He came about 200 years later. His name was King Manasseh. His father was an amazing man, Hezekiah. Manasseh was not. He started very young and ruled for over 50 years. He rebuilt false worship idols and altars all throughout the land. He even defiled God's temple by bringing idolatry into it. He was involved in witchcraft, even young human sacrifices. In fact, his reign was marked with innocent bloodshed in the streets. As a result of this, God leveled massive long-term consequences on the nation directly as a result of Manasseh's sin. So which one do you want to be? Sounds pretty easy, doesn't it? But like the old Paul Harvey used to say, let me tell you the rest of the story. 
in the last few years of King Asa's life, he took gold from the treasury to hire the evil king of Aram. God sent prophets to chastise him, but he got angry and he did not repent. Late in his life, he had a disease in his feet, but he still would not turn to the Lord. He quite literally stumbled at the finish line and died. Manasseh, on the other hand, for all of his evil deeds, had a change in heart. In distress and punishment, Manasseh turned to God and God heard him. Manasseh removed the gods and the idols and the altars that he had previously built. He reestablished the proper offerings to God. He prayed to God and humbled himself and sought to make it right, and God received his plea. Okay, so in the judgment, which of these two men would you prefer to be? Or maybe a more important question. In the judgment, which of these two men will you have been more like? Now, I certainly know how we want it to go. I want to live a life like Asa did and finish like Manasseh did. But clearly, from Old Testament and the teachings of Jesus and the apostles, taking the time we have left, repenting, making changes, leaning into the Lord, will bring about the grace of God, better relationships, and eternal blessings, no matter what has happened before. And I believe Manasseh is a testament to that. Asa, on the other hand, is in the worst possible place. A man who knew the favor of loving and serving God. But it's almost like he had too much time, and he did not know how to use the rest of it well, and he finished poorly. If nothing else comes out of today's episode, I want you to think about what time means to you. You are not yet at the finish line. Your family relationships, your faith walk, none of it is over with. You still have time. Time to move from bad to good. Time to move from good to better. Do you value that as an asset? Or like the virgins that Jesus talked about in Matthew 25, who were ready for a while, is time your greatest enemy? We don't know how much time we've got left, but who we are and where we're going will be calculated and locked in then, not now, unless, of course, this is the end. I just want you to be thankful for that, thrilled about it, and excited to use the blessings of another day to contribute to a life story that ends beautifully. Now, one thing I want to finish with, and I alluded to it at the beginning, is that the statement, it's not how you start, it's how you finish, needs a little bit of extra examination. It's a figure of speech that's actually really common in the New Testament. It's called the not-but construction. And in this particular idiom, it's not tossing out the first thing or calling it irrelevant. In fact, the first thing does matter, but the second thing matters much, much more. Greater emphasis is put on the second thing over the first, and you should be thinking about the second thing even while engaging in the first. Let me give you a simple Bible example from the words of Jesus. Jesus said, Do not work for the food which perishes, but work for the food unto eternal life. Is he completely tossing out and negating the first thing? Don't work for the food which perishes. Quit your job. Stop going to the grocery store. 
because heavenly treasures and eternity are all that matters. That is not what he is saying. Yes, you need to work and buy food and provide for your family, but much, much more important is what you are doing to lay up treasures for what comes later and for the hope of eternity. In fact, even while you are working that job, buying and eating that food, you should always have your mind on where it's all going and the great hope of eternity with God. Now, our axiom for the day has the same structure. It's not how you start, but how you finish. Is that 100% literally true? Does it really not at all matter how you start? Don't concern yourself at all with how it begins. And how it's been going has zero relevance. The only thing that matters is the last step of the way. That's not what it's saying. How you start is important. Good starts can help lead to greater finishes. Good decisions early are important in mitigating consequences that can make it harder to succeed later. I mean, a marriage that starts off really well has less work to do to get to an amazing marriage than one that has a lot of baggage and pain. So certainly we shouldn't make the mistake of saying, hey, it doesn't matter what I do early or in the middle, I just need to fix it all by the end. I know you wouldn't buy into that kind of foolishness because it's pretty obvious, but sometimes when we look at a lethargic approach to our life at this stage, but some odd ideology that it's just going to turn around in the end, we are missing the fact that early is important and shouldn't be disregarded. But the point of it is, much, much more important is how you finish. Everything ultimately culminates in the end of your journey, your final statistics, who you become when you face the Lord, or as we said a couple of weeks ago, how your family remembers you after you're gone. And as a final thought, here's how this can work for you. If you can understand that early is important, but later is much, much more important, then what you begin to do is think about the end even from the beginning. You devote yourself to the early and middle part of the journey with focus on what you want the end to be. You use the now to assure the later. Like working for the food of today, but so focused on the eternal goodness that today's efforts are subject to tomorrow's greater hopes. So look, I don't know where you are in your journey. You probably don't even know when the end will be. You may still be at the very beginning, but if the things you are doing now are designed to contribute to who you hope to be later for God and for your family, then one thing you will never have to worry about is how you finish. Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this program, consider sharing it with your family and your friends. And if you're just in search of deeper Bible study or you want to share the message of Jesus with the children in your life, remember to go to creationtorevelation.com. This wonderful company run by Christians provides beautiful illustrations of scripture from beginning to end, putting the spotlight on Jesus. And remember this, whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, excel still more.